the key thing is to remember that the way that you react to these will dictate how people will perceive you, right? And mm-hmm. that inaction will be perceived as endorsement. But the tricky part here is that sometimes inaction stems from that paralysis, right? That freeze stance that we talked about, right? By the time that you proceed. So usually what I'm going to tell my clients is that, hey, if there's something going on, don't be reactive. If you want to put out something, just put that, listen, this has been brought up to our attention. We are looking into this. We will come back shortly with an answer or with a plan or something. But you need to say something. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Welcome to the show, Julie. This is your second time here with me, and I absolutely love our chats. I'm so excited to have you back. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be talking with you anyways. <laughs> yeah, I love I love talking with you because I learn so much from you. And I also think what you're doing is not only important for society in general, but specifically for the fitness industry. And today we're going to talk about being more inclusive and equitable in your fitness practices because we have a lot of coaches that are listening today who are building communities of their own. And I think inclusivity can often be overlooked because when someone's building their business or brand or coaching business, it's often about niching down or attracting like a similar type person the majority of the time. But I know for myself when, you know, I was building the Team Strong Girls community and it began to really grow and then also taking over Strong Fitness, I realized that I did need to take that step back and learn more about equality, inclusion, diversity, and even those unconscious biases because they come up, right? They come up in our social presence, the way we coach. And you actually recently came on to our coaching team and presented to us, which I love you for. Everybody absolutely loved it about like the whole fitness industry. And you said one thing that really hit home to me, because that's where I want to start with you today, is you quoted something and it said the fitness industry uses diversity as a promotional tool without addressing the very real instances of racism within the space. So I thought we could start there because, again, that really hit home to me because I feel like we, you know, after the pandemic and Black Lives Matter, like everybody felt this pressure to have to do something, right? Can you speak to this? Let's start there. 
Yes, 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 of course. So the reality is when the pandemic started, shortly before mm. that, there was this kind of, you know, big social reveal, or should I say, you know, it, like it, it was more than a reveal. It was really an acknowledgement and an awareness that things were going on for certain groups of our society that, you know, we heard about, that we kind of knew, but we didn't really think about it, or we didn't have any ways of, of not necessarily feeling the pain, but of seeing the pain. And what happened before the pandemic with George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Joyce Chakwan here in Quebec, and, and so many more, is that now people were able to witness and see the consequences of these actions and how they were not random. And stats started coming out, documentaries on Netflix started coming out as well. And then with the pandemic, people were forced to sit still, not being distracted by anything else, could not go out, could not do anything. And they were kind of forced to sit there and just witness it all again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And that really prompted some people to want to do something. This is what we're taught, right? If something is wrong, you have to go fix it. But when, yeah. when we're talking about something that is so so systemic, so profoundly ingrained in our societal fabric, it can be very hard sometimes to really decide for what to do. So what happened was that, you know, people got the knowledge, got like became aware of something, and then they wanted to jump into action right away. But without taking the time to really reflect and understand what, what it meant for them, what it meant for their practice, what it meant for their organization, for their clients, etc. So a lot of these initiatives kind of fell flat. They they were very reactive. They were very performative. They and they were and they just lacked substances, right? So it, it you know it it was like I, I remember we were almost laughing about it with some colleagues of mine because all of a sudden you saw you know black models everywhere, right? On yeah. in, on every ads, every billboard on the television, et cetera. And then, and then when we had the wave of anti-Asian hate, anti-Asian racism coming through as well, then same thing again, right? And while I think representation is very important, what's more important is to understand why we need more representation in the first yeah. place. And, you know, for an industry that relies a lot on, on the image, right, on, on, the, on the external opinion, the external value of, of its peers, of its audience, of its clients, it's very important to not fall into that trap. And I believe a lot of people fell into that trap and not just the fitness industry, right? Any industry that relies on the image fell into that trap and were very, were very clumsy in addressing maybe their lack of representation within the organization or trying to justify some of their actions or their past actions, right? So I really believe that this is a time when the industry as a whole, the fitness industry, for instance, can really take, just take a breather, right? Kind of not necessarily take a step back, but just pause and really reflect on, okay, well, what does it mean for us? What are, what are the roots of the industry? Where does all of this, you know, discrimination based on body size, for example, Maybe like, for example, like uh, fat phobia or ableism. So discrimination based on what's physical ability or disabilities, racism, et cetera. Like, where does it come from? 
And it doesn't mean that we need to, you know, be super hard on ourselves and just be like, oh, you know, like I contributed to this because I, you know, I'm white or I'm white passing. I've discriminated against people. I've done microaggression. So I must be a bad person. And it's like, well, you know, to some degree, I think that if you don't know, you don't know. If you're not aware of what's going on around you, if you're not aware of the way that you navigate society versus others, it gets really hard to actually understand what you can do. So that's why I think because the fitness industry is so much into the, you know, the image and what we can see, the impact is that much more visible. So there is this link between becoming aware and taking action that people forget. And it's all about the reflection piece, right? Really understanding what are our roles, what's the narrative of the industry that I'm in, what is my narrative, what is my story, and really be brutally honest with ourselves. But once again, not everybody knows how to do that. And sometimes we need a little guidance. Totally. I love that you say that it did feel really reactionary at that point, you know, like we got to do this. We got to put something out. Like that's how it felt. And I loved talking to you about it because you were just like, it's about the education. It's about taking your time and just, you know, educating yourself, talking to the right people, getting reading the right books, taking some courses, like actually learning about it and not being so, oh, we got to do this. We have to put a black model on you know, Instagram or whatever. Like it, it it was so reactionary. It felt so fake and not authentic to me. And that's why I always love our conversations. So I'm going to take it back now because the one thing that you said during the presentation to the coaches and I was like, it do, it starts with you. Like the respectful interactions start with yourself. And I thought this was really interesting. Can you explain that a little bit more, like the steps on how we start with ourselves first? Yes, yes, of course. And and when we think about it, for anything that touches on social impact, social movement, it always starts with the individual because society is made up of individuals. Teams are made up of individuals. Organizations are made up of individuals. And what you want is for almost everybody because you cannot reach everybody all the time but for almost everybody to kind of stop and just turn the mirror towards themselves and really ask ourselves the hard questions and trying to starting to unpack you know what is our identity just that question I can guarantee you that a lot of people don't know really how to answer that because they never had to right asking Mm -hmm. what is my cultural identity or what is my identity how do I how do I describe myself in terms of the different dimensions of, of my identity, right? So, you know, okay, well, it can be, I'm a woman, I'm a mother. If I want to be really precise, you know, I'm a cisgendered woman, I'm a heterosexual, I'm able-bodied, I have fair skin, I can get darker in the summer, and realizing all the privileges that can come with some of those dimensions of my own identity. And then, and then going from there. Right. I think people think that the word privilege is almost like a dirty word. And that's something that I unpack with my clients as well, that, you know, privilege is not a dirty word. It's, it simply means that you may have an easier access to opportunities. That's it. Right. And then on the opposite end, then it's the lack or the presence of barriers to opportunities. So being able to turn that mirror towards ourselves and realizing that hey, you know what, like there are some sides, some parts of me 
that I didn't ask to have that will grant me more opportunities, more advantages, more privilege. And that's just how it is, right? It's not, it's not to say that I don't work hard for what I have or where I'm going, but it just is. So that's one of the very first steps, right? To just be cognizant of what makes us us. The second part of that is also about addressing our own biases. That's that's one that people are still, they, they're not sure how to go about it because when you talk about biases, when you say, oh, you know, that person is so biased, automatically people go into a negative space, right? They go into yeah. uh, a space. Yeah, defense, right? That's, oh, that's not good, bad human, not supposed to be biased. But yeah. The truth is, if you have a brain, you have bias. This is neuroscience. We all have biases. Some are good. Not necessarily good, because I don't like to use a good or bad. It's more like some will just be more, maybe more inclusive, more welcoming, and some may be more discriminatory, depending on what you were exposed to when you were growing up, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So the truth is, no matter how skilled you are, how inclusive you are, or you think you are, how educated you are, as soon as you see someone walk through the door, or if when you meet someone, automatically you're going to have a judgment on them, whether you think about it or not, because it's, it's unconscious, right? You don't realize it, but you're going to have a story or sort of a backstory made up about that person, about, okay, well, are they here, are they here to harm me? Are they here to, to be my friends? Or should I be wary of these people? Or I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure about that person, et cetera, et cetera. So we all have biases. So the other part of it is not only to recognize the different dimensions of our identity, but then to also recognize that we do have biases and that that can cloud our judgment when we meet someone in the way that we like thinking about, oh, is that person professional, right? Oh, is that person credible? Is that person nice? Is that person productive? right? Or is that person lazy? Can they be dangerous? Can they be quote-unquote thuggish, right? So there's a lot of things going on in our brain that we don't realize. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we have to just lay back and say, hey, you know what? It's unconscious anyways. There's nothing I can do about this. The truth is, is no, it's actually not true. You can do something about it. And that's why, you know, you were mentioning earlier about learning, educating ourselves, listening, you know, to podcasts, etc., is the first key because then what you do is that you're kind of retraining your brain in maybe addressing some of the biases, the stereotypes that you may have had growing up. Not because you thought that, you know, some groups of people were more dangerous than others, but maybe because you heard your parents say it. Maybe because you heard your best friend yeah. say it, right? Or maybe you just absorbed it through nonverbal Australian language. So that's what we mean by it really starts with the self so that we can first understand ourselves to the fullest as much as we can. Because if we can't really understand ourselves, the truth is it's really hard to be able to understand the other and the others in front of us. Yeah, like the one thing I did notice when I've been on this journey, and I feel like it's a continual journey, which I learned from you, is that like a lot of people either have that guilt Right. And so they react and, you know, feeling guilty as though they have to like what we talked about before, like reactionary or it's very they show up like in a defense mode. Right. Like, well, I don't think that and I do this. And so how do you think somebody gets over those things or mm. 
I don't even know if they, yeah, like, like, is it the whole educational piece? Like, what would you recommend somebody who might feel this, you know, they have, they feel guilty about certain things. Maybe they are white, what we call in quotations, white privilege, and they have that guilt around all of this. Like, how, how, what would you, what would be your advice for somebody that's experiencing that? Mm -hmm. So I I think, you know, that's why talking about privilege is important because the the reason why the word privilege has been demonized that much mm-hmm. is because of what I call, you know, Instagram and Facebook Academy, who mm-hmm. kind of just spread the word privilege, but attached with white. So every time you heard, you saw the word privilege out, it was always white privilege and it exists. It is a thing, right? But mm-hmm. There's also other types of privileges that we have to to take into account, right? It's not just about, okay, well, if you have white skin, then you have privilege. Yes, you do in some society, in certain contexts, but there's also other types of privileges, right? Like just just being able to move our body, right? Able-bodied privilege or socioeconomical privilege, ownership privilege, education privilege, there's a lot of different different privileges. And I think when we realize that, it kind of makes us think about it and be like, huh, okay. So it's not a personal attack. Because oftentimes, especially right now, people have a lot of trouble to, like, to talk, to have conversations about these, these issues. And the thing is, you know, you, you cannot really go and say, you know, everybody should be able to talk about it. Because truth is, there are some groups some groups that have been systemically systemically underrepresented, systemically marginalized and oppressed for decades and centuries that now, you know, like the, the majority is starting to, okay, this existed, but for the people that have seen their parents and their grandparents being discriminated against with different degrees of violence, it can be very hard to come and want to have those conversations, right? So I think we are at a time where everything is very hyper-emotional on the different fronts. And this is where the defense mode, the reactionary mode stems from. And once again, it starts in our brain, right? Our body wants to protect us all the time, right? And the way that we evolved is that, you know, back millennia ago, we, we have a small structure in our brain that scans the environment constantly, right? And it's called the amygdala. And it asks a question, you know, am I safe here? Will it cause pain? Will I survive? Right. And when it saw a saber tooth tiger, for example, then you had a cascade of reaction in our bodies. So, you know, like increased blood flow, you know, like just being ready to move. And there are like different, like different ways it can show up. Right. So the fight, so the defense mode, the flight. Yeah. So try to evade and change a topic or leave the, or leave the conversation or freeze, yeah. really being paralyzed and not knowing what to do. And there's also a fourth one that have been coming up more and more in this line of work that's called fawn. So, you know, almost it's almost like a form of people pleasing, right? So trying mm-hmm. to not to subdue the other person in front of you, but, you know, like to just, you know, make it go, make it go away, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I brought up the saber tooth tiger is because, you know, that, that cascade of reaction happened also when we feel like a part of our identity is being challenged. It's the same reaction. Mm-hmm. So we are literally in a survival mode, survival instinct when that happens, right? And 
I think this can be managed through education and awareness, but also practice. And what I mean by practice is really by having those conversations. You know, there's not a lot of ways that you can practice being more inclusive, being more equitable. It's not like, you know, you give me a workout and then I execute it and then we reassess and then we increase the weight, increase the rep, et cetera, or the tempo, right? For these topics, for, for these social soft skills, I would, I would actually call them more like essential human skills. Yes, you need to be aware and educate yourself, but you need to practice it. And once again, to practice, you need to have conversations. But the way that our society has been built in the past generation, the next generation are going to be a little different, I think. But the past generation has always been, you know, don't ruffle feathers, right? We have to have yeah. a status quo. Don't point. Don't point out the yeah. difference, etc. Mm-hmm. So if an individual wants to, you know, move beyond that state of, I don't know what to say anymore. Every Like, I feel like I'm going to get canceled, quote unquote. I don't know what to do. Then one, ask yourself, okay, well, what is my role? And what is my, my history? What is my narrative? in this topic to do I hold any biases that I can I can maybe retrieve from my childhood and for that there's a really cool test that people can take but I'm just going to put a disclaimer here it's not a diagnostic it is just an invitation to be curious about the bias that you may hold okay so I I can give you the, the test it's called the implicit associative test by Project Harvard it's available to the public Anybody can do it, but yeah, it, it, it's just an interesting exercise to do. Can be confronting, not gonna lie, but it's uh, it's a good way. We can include the link. Oh yes, yes, I will send it to you. Okay. It can be a good incentive to just say, "Hey, maybe maybe I hold some bias that I was not aware of," and just maybe thinking back to our childhood, our teenagers, or maybe major events that we that happened in our lives. Then it can sometimes help to have some, you know, some hints of where we should go. And then finally, try like trying to be brave enough and courageous enough to to ask questions, right? Not to ask mm-hmm. other people to educate you, but to ask questions and just to engage in dialogues with your peers, with people, without necessarily overburdening them neither, right? You don't want to go, that's, I don't know, to your non-binary colleague and say, hey, tell me everything about non-binary yeah. folks. No, you do your research first. And then if you're unsure about something, for example, okay, well, what pronouns should I use for you? Or I don't know, how do I, how do I call you or something like that? Then, you know, then that person can tell you what they prefer. Because at the end of the day, it's not about making blanket statements about some groups of people or people that have some dimensions of, of an identity, right? But it's really about getting to know the individual as well at the end of the day. You showed this, the dimensions of our identity chart, And I thought it was really eye-opening. I'm a very visual learner. And so I was curious, I'm putting you on the spot here, if there's any way we can share that, like if I can include it in the show notes, just so people can see, because I feel like that can really open your eyes and knowing like when you hear the word privilege, you think like, oh, it's white privilege, but there's so many other privileges, you know, like or non-privileges that this chart kind of lays it all out like you don't realize. And it really helped me look at things a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Anyways, it's from an open source, mm-hmm. an open source education platform. So anybody can have access to it. So definitely. 
Okay, ladies, I got something super exciting to share with you. I have created the most incredible fitness free gift for you. I want you to put yourself on top of the world and make your 40s your strongest decade yet. When you say maybe to the Strong Fitness membership, you will get over 2,000 worth of fitness gifts, an exclusive hooded tank entirely for free and a 30-day trial run of our Strong Fitness membership, which will include live and pre-recorded masterclasses with me every single week, no gym-required workouts designed by myself and delivered in the app, digital access to Strong Fitness magazine library. You also get digital access to Strong Training Guides. You're gonna get monthly recipes, straightforward, tasty meals, eating plans, nutrition guides, and grocery lists to optimize your nutrition and fuel your body with the right foods. I created this gift because we are celebrating 10 years at Strong, 10 years at Team Strong Girls, and also my 41st birthday. And I truly believe you can thrive and get better with age and slow down the aging process, look young forever, and I share all the secrets with you. So if you want to get in on this membership, all you got to do is go to strongfitnessmag.com forward slash incredible. So that's strongfitnessmag.com forward slash incredible and claim your free gift and test driver membership. I cannot wait to see you on the inside. What would you want to see change? Like I'm going to talk specifically about the fitness industry, but what would you want to see change in the fitness industry or you maybe feel is still lacking like I know we're all working towards I feel like as as parents as the next generation we always have to be better than the last generation right but what would you want to see change specifically if it was one thing I think my very first one is for our ability to have honest brutally honest conversations about just the state of the industry, right? About, you know, okay, well, why is the model that maybe of, you know, of that skin color, of that body type, still the preferred body for, I don't know, this show, right? I'm not talking about disciplines like body lifting, weight lifting, because these are very specific. So, you know, like you will have an advantage depending on your, morpho- your morphology, your muscle types, et cetera. So that's, that's different, right? But I think as an industry, because uh, I've been hearing some things there and there, some quote unquote, like heated topics, a conversation that's been going on within big organizations and, and big influencers, like just big people, <laughs> let's just put in the industry that are facing backlashes right now because they just lacked that, you know, that transparency and the steps to have those conversations. Because I think what people misunderstand often is it's not about being perfect, but it's about showing the willingness and the intention to make things better and that it is backed up by action, right? So that action can be, okay, let's have a roundtable of our more seasoned competitors, or let's have, I would like to have a focus group with 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 some of my clients or i just have to have a one-on-one if we know if let's say we have 10 clients right in our in our fitness practice like hey i just like to have like a conversation because i want to know have i made something or have i said something have i done something that made you feel less than 
or that made you feel unwelcome, that made you feel like, you know, the stakes were still against you, the odds were still against you, right? So I think this is really the, the first one. It's really a big piece because after from there, yes, we can then go and address some of the, you know, the racism, the discrimination that that is that really comes from, you know, the colonial history of the world, really, you know, North America, et cetera, cultural appropriation that needs to be addressed. But I think that the first step is really to be able to have those conversations within the industry to see and, and also to, to, to check in, okay, well, where is the industry evolving to? Because, you know, when you look at some brands that are being very proactive and in their inclusion of their trainers, of the different types of work of workouts that they're giving, right? Whether it be for folks that have a physical disability, right? Or people that don't fit the typical, you know, like trainer body, or, you know, I think we really need to have a conversation because what's going to happen, because I've seen it happen in other industry, is that you don't want it to be almost like a free-for-all, right? In the sense that you still want to, to understand as an industry, okay, well, what is our mission here? What do we want to do for people? Like, why do we exist? Of course, not everybody's going to be like in Strong Girls, for example, right? But, you know... I think one of the things that Team Strong Girl does really well is about centering the self-esteem, the wellness of your clients, and just to show to show clients, hey, this is what it means to be strong. This is what it means to be healthy. It's not just about you know you know the the, the good old skinny stereotype, right? And and one thing I want to add to that is like you know when I was talking about having conversation within the fitness industry, we also have to be cognizant that. Some roles will require some specific skill sets, right? Or some specific, you know, body type. That that can evolve, definitely, with the conversation. But the same way that, you know, if you have um, an engineer organization, yes, you want to be inclusive, but you still need to have the basic skill set, right? And I think I think the same thing needs to be applied to fitness professionals or like whether you're a fitness model or a fitness professional, a trainer. Everybody has their own skill set. Everybody has their own categories that will evolve with time. And I can see it evolving already. Yeah. But that's why I think the industry really have to think almost like a, you know, just a step, step back and just look at the industry as a whole and see, okay, what do we have here? Who are the players that have been really proactive, forward thinking, and it works really well for them? Okay, cool. What can we take as best practices and maybe offer it? as industry standards, for example, right? You know, you talk about having kids. I think the same thing for parents, right? We, the way that we were taught, the things that we were taught for us is just the gold standard. But truth is our kids are going to live in a world that is different than ours. And Mm -hmm. sometimes our standard will actually won't be good at all, (laughs) you know, like for their generation (laughs) to some extent. So yeah. So I, I feel I feel the same way for organizations that industry, especially for the fitness industry, there is so much potential to, you know, to make people feel good about themselves and to really show an like a united front, an inclusive front, and really engage with people so that you know you can have that that practice I was talking about, right? That conversational piece that is so crucial and that is so needed in the world right now. 
but yes. Long answer, but yeah. Be open to evolving. Like, and I can just talk about my own experience. You know, when I started Strong Girls, it was very much about just helping women become strong. So I feel like we could help any type of women become strong. But as I saw my community grow, you know, things come up as your community grows too, right? Like we we all know that. And so talking to you and it's like, yeah, your community is getting bigger. There's people that are bringing in other people. Like you're not just talking to who you thought you were talking to. You're talking to a lot more women with different backgrounds, different experiences. And so one of the things that you talk about is your social media hygiene and being reflective of your personal values. And I thought this was important because, like I said, a lot of fitness coaches are growing their brand, their community, their social media. It's all driven by building your social media these days, right? And so how can how can somebody have that social media hygiene? Like, can you go into detail there? Mm-hmm. Yes, all social media. Such a beautiful tool, but also can have like a double-edged sword, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like for us, Julie, I don't know about you, but like I know that you're a business owner. And for me, I connect with the people that make me feel good and happy. But usually I'm using it as a tool, right? It's, it's a tool to reach out. It's a tool to create more of a community, build your community, build your brand. And so I don't go on there looking for you know certain things but it happens like and and majority of people are doing that right because it's a very social platform and with covid too i feel like a lot of people are they're still at home right they have more time people that's what they do now they don't put on the tv they go on to social and it can it can be a problem you know it can be a problem for finding things that you don't like and and that sort of thing but it's also super important as a business person to have that height like be reflective of your beliefs and values. And it can also, mm-hmm. you know, go off in a different way, which you maybe not have expected it to go. So how would you help a business owner, like keeping that business owner coach in mind? Sorry, that was a long explanation. <laughs> no, 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 but but you know, I think I think it's very important also for, you know, for you to to bring a concrete example of, you know, of your lived experience, right? As mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of things happened in the past, in the past year, in the past, in the past months as well. And and one thing that I believe that a lot of people will once again forget is that your social media hygiene can be a reflection of your values. You know, as you mentioned, and as public facing careers, you really need to pay special attention to what is going on, right? Like we don't have yeah. an excuse anymore. Well, okay, now while well, Facebook, Facebook, while well, Meta banned the news <laughs> on this platform, yes. still like you know we like we should be better informed, right? There's still things going on in the world. There's still accounts we can follow. So you need to be aware of what's going on in the world around you. You need to be aware of the big issues, right? You need to be aware of what's going on because you may have people that are from groups that have been, you know, specially touched or targeted or injured, right, with some events, you kind of need to be aware to be able to navigate those conversations that you may have with these clients or with, you know, other coaches or, you know, with your peers, et cetera. So this is really important. So 
by being also aware of what's going on, it's going to help not do, you know, faux pas, as I would say. Because one thing also that we need to remember is that what posts, what you post on your social media will stay, right? Except if you choose to delete it. But there will be a trace. People can take screenshots of what it is. If it's something that's really outrageous, right? They can take screenshots. They can save it. Something. They can record it. So there's not there's nothing that that's really like impermanent <laughs> on social media. I find there's always a trait that can linger. So if your social media, like you have to really think about, okay, so what are my values? What do I want my social media to reflect? What is my North Star? And what I mean by North Star is, okay, well, what is my guiding principle, my guiding mission that I have with my practice? How do I want to serve people? What is behind the how to do it? What is my why, right? And then you let that guide you, okay? And if you supplement it by being aware of what's going on around you, and it kind of helps you kind of stay away from some topics if, you, if you're not aware of it or if you don't know anything about it. If you don't understand it, it's better not to put it out there, right? Because you never know. Because, you know, there are some things that are racist that, you know, you may just think it's a good old joke, right? Or there are some words that carry the weight of discrimination, the weight of colonialism, of a lot of pain. But if you don't know, then you may just use them, right? And the truth is, you know, racism and discrimination, all the ism and phobias, <laughs> They don't care about whether you intended it to be this way or this, but they don't care about your good intention, right? Because it is really about the society that we live in, and it's about the system that you are bringing your business in. So you need to be aware of these dynamics that are happening, right? And if, yeah. for example, you know, you do something, that you post something, or you interact with some or someone, you do a reel, you do an interview, you know, anything, right? With someone that is at the heart of an issue or if something that you wrote is an issue and people say like, you know what, that's that's borderline discrimination and or racism and or cultural appropriation or of something else or just clearly offensive. The The key thing is to remember that the way that you react to these will dictate how people will perceive you, right? And mm -hmm. that inaction it will be perceived as endorsement. But the tricky part here is that sometimes inaction stems from that paralysis, right? That freeze stance that we talked about, right? By the time that you proceed. So usually what I'm going to tell my clients is that, hey, if there's something going on, don't be reactive. If you want to put out something, just put that, listen, this has been brought up to our attention. We are looking into this. We will come back shortly with an answer or with a plan or something, but you need to say something, right? And, and as I said, it doesn't need to be like this huge paragraph about how you're not racist or you're not homophobic or transphobic because of X, Y, and Z. Honestly, nobody cares about that. And being in close proximity to people from different groups than you doesn't make you an ally or doesn't make you good right? Necessarily. You're just interacting with different humans. So you have to do something. And, you know, especially if you don't know, you know, I said it earlier, if you don't know, you don't know. But once you know, you have to do better. If people that have the lived experiences that 
that, you know, the lived experiences that is being triggered by something that you put, that you said. And now that you know, then you have to do better. What that can look like is having a conversation, listen to the people with the lived experience and then try to work something out to see, okay, well, how can I learn from this to make my brand better? What can I learn from this to make my community, community of practice better, right? So social media is not this, you know, inactive, cool kind of browsing, surfing, saying, okay, I'm going to make a cute, a cute little post and put them out there. No, there's a strategy behind it. And if something happens that kind of goes and like, oh, that post, not good. We're humans. We're adaptable. We just adapt. And that's going to help in the long run a thousand times more than not doing anything or like, you know, how do they call it? They, they say it in French, but like pretty much when, like, when you put your hand, your head in the sand, right? Like, oh, well, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. Well, sorry, but like social media will tell you that it's happening. So better be proactive about it, right? And to do something because I really do believe that people, most people, I'm not this again, everybody have good intentions at heart, but sometimes we're just really clumsy because we don't know or because we haven't been exposed to, you know, the yeah. norms of words or the right way of doing or saying something because we have no impact on how someone is going to react to what we do, what we say, no matter what it is. But what we do have power over, though, is the way that we react to it. And this is where yeah. Yeah. this is where the whole power stems from. Mm -hmm. I love I love all of this because I feel like in today's society, it's a very fast paced society. You're posting all the time. People are scrolling all the time. It's like, you know, you know, when you run a business, you have to show up on social media. You will make a mistake. People will come after you for saying something that isn't appropriate. And it is how you respond and you react. And like, I'm glad to have you because <laughs> it's it, it's it's challenging. It really is. It really is. It's like, OK, if I do this then I'm going to look like I'm reacting. Right. Or, you know, you're you always said, take a pause, think about it, educate yourself and then come back to it. Right. And that's what I feel like you know, we 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 kind of live in that cancel culture too, unfortunately, where everybody's kind of ready to come down on somebody, cancel them. And so I love all of this. I love all of this advice because people are kind of living in fear of, of what to post <laughs> or they're just posting and then they're realizing, holy, holy shit, I said something wrong. What do I do? You know, I've had a lot of that even with even amongst my coaching team, you know, a few things have come up. They thought they were being canceled. It's like, you are allowed to make, you can make a mistake. It's just how you move forward after this, right? It's how you learn from it and move forward and what you do next. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, there's also this, this, okay, cancel culture. It, well, we can like, I can just briefly say that. <laughs> that's a podcast on its own. <laughs> I know that's a podcast on its own, right? I think it's all culture can have its place. But it has yeah. been misused, like a lot of things, <laughs> right? It has been misused and misappropriated so that it just became this thing where if someone says something that a group doesn't think is right, then no matter what it is, then automatically they're canceled. There are some cases I believe that it's the right thing to do because when we live in a society, whether you like it or not, you kind of sign what I call the social contract, right? About... Here are the different ways that we agree overall on how to live with each other. 
And if someone does something that infringes upon these social rule and that can evolve as well, then, you know, you can, you can have a little conversation. But this is also where the concept of calling out versus calling in comes in handy. I do believe that there are instances where calling out someone so publicly has its place, depends on the context, right? But there's also a time and space for calling in, which is more, you know, when you take the person on the side and you kind of talk to them and to see, okay, well, to explain to them, okay, well, what you did, mm, bad move, or what you did was clearly racist, or it was a microaggression, or, you know, like, you, you just kind of have a conversation and then after how the person reacts, then it's on them, right? But I do believe that there is a balance to be had, but we also have to be careful about, you know, when something tends to be generalized, then sometimes it's going to be, it's because the terms and the concepts are being misused and misappropriated. You know, like cancel culture, I believe, is one of them. The word woke is another is another one that could be a whole podcast mm-hmm. that has been heavily, heavily misappropriated and misused in the yeah. recent years. But there are a lot of words like that in, in our history, our recent history, I should say modern history, where we have to be careful. We have to be, we have to educate ourselves as well of the power of words, I find, not, not to get too academic into it. But if you don't understand a word, how, how, how do you know how to use it properly? Except if you heard it on social media and then you think that it means that, but actually there's much more nuances to it, Right. So that's why having conversations, once again, with the group, with the industry, with the coaches, with the peers, with the clients can really help to break down and unpack some of those nuances that may just fly under the radar if we just take for granted an infographic that we saw on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about this all day. (laughs) We're going up to the hour and it's been so amazing. How can one learn more from you and connect with you? Well, they can definitely connect with me on the website of my company. So Maslat Empathy Lab, I'm going to give you the link. And, and on there, you can yeah. definitely book a chat, book a chat with me. And then we can discuss different ways that we can help. Or if you just want to connect, feel free. I'm always up for a chat. And if people are more curious about, you know, how to talk to their children or books that they want to have, you know, even just to like, you know, bullying or something like that, anything that needs, that deals with inclusion and equity and justice, I have also Jedi kids. So once again, I'm through and I can definitely, definitely give you some tips. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time again and chatting with me. I love our conversations and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jenny. See you soon. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our Strong Fitness Magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my Strong Girl 3 discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay. Take care and stay strong.